All right, so we are still in Nick's church, and we just had these big pizzas, mm. and uh, feeling kind of sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> just in a big, big day, big church day, and um, had big pizzas, and it's warm in here, man. It's like very it's, warm. It's like a hot room. <laughs> no insulation gets, in this old building. Yeah, so it gets like this baking heat. And someone crashed into the church since you. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy some guy rolled his car wall you know this supposedly rolled his car down a hill into the church wall and that's the the last time we were hanging out you were in wellington yeah. and people s- broke into the church yeah. and stole all the stuff you are the common denominator i am the pastor of disaster <laughs> Man, that's crazy. So, yeah, quite an action-packed weekend, and um, I, I can't think of any better way than to round it off with a Philosophy Friday that we were recording on Sunday, you know, which is philosophical in its own right, you know. <laughs> but uh, so, again, what we um, I might throw some pictures on Facebook or something if anyone cares, but, man, we're sitting here, and Nick has his whiteboard out, and uh, I mean, he was going for it. He was giving me a lecture. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting here being lectured by the master himself. We got rationalism, we got empiricism, we got postmodernism. Um, so we're going to break it all down for you on this uh, bonus episode, is what you got to call it. Mega bonus. Uh, <laughs> Philosophy Friday. Okay, so what's going on, Nick? Hey, bro. Just had a great weekend. Fantastic preacher. Preached two servants. Yeah, that was me. Servants. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm pretty good. What can I say? Yeah. 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 Jesus is the mountain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big step for anyone to take who's a dispensationalist. Oh, boy. Because they don't believe that Jesus is even the temple. So the mountain that the temple is on, mm. you know, it's... Man, God Heaven and Harmageddon, or Harmageddon. Harmageddon. <laughs> um, the the emphasis on the H there for Har, as in mountain, Hebrew mountain, um, is uh, Meredith Klein's latest book, mm. and it is phenomenal. Maturest it's, work. Yeah, and I, I recommend it to everyone. I always get like people read it and they're like, "Oh, dang, it's so difficult," whatever. But it's 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 just you got to get used to it, you know, and you got to press on because it's mind-blowing. It's, uh, he incorporates all the stuff from Kingdom Prologue to the extent that it, it moves the story forward and he goes all the way and, oh, man, it's a masterpiece. So it's honestly one of my favorite books in the whole wide world. You know, I, the Holy Bible and then, like, I would take, you know, God, Heaven, and Armageddon. Cool. And, uh, you know, it's really up there. And so I would honestly suggest that anyone who's interested in any of that stuff, which we've recommended time and time again, go and read it and go check it out. But uh, we'll leave that for another day. Let's let's focus on Friday. Philosophy. Philosophy. Yeah. So you got some. You've been uh, going on a deep dive. Yep. So I've been doing a lot of apologetics. I'm doing a, a apologetic series um, at my church in the evening service, and the whole the whole idea is to inoculate our young people. Yeah, you know the the, the principle behind yeah. inoculation. Yeah, you give them a little bit of the virus to you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. build up their resistance. So mm-hmm. that's that's the principle. So, uh, yeah, just strike before the the main strike, uh, preemptive yeah. strike. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, just here's, uh, and what I've been talking to Mike about is just a, a Nick's analysis of the history of apologetics. Which I hope will become a book one day. Yeah. <laughs> Nick's analysis. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a glorious book, man. <laughs> yeah, we can only pray. Um, and so uh, everything I'm about to say comes with that uh, disclaimer. Okay, right. Um, so anyway, basically um, in my own, uh, I love the history of philosophy. I love apologetics. And um, it just seems that a pattern has arisen yeah. by just engaging with the different men at the different times. Mm-hmm. And um, the way that I've approached it is I've broken down the history of apologetics um, tracks very closely with the history of philosophy. Yeah, agree. So um, we all know um, the rationalists that came on the scene in the 1600s. That yep. was called the new science. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to stage one. Let's yeah, go to the yeah. classical yeah. period where yeah. Aristotle and the Greek philosophers were reigning supreme, even all the way through the mi- Middle Ages. It was still the triumph of Greek philosophy. Totally. And so it's classical philosophy. That's the period. Right. And the church, you know, comes into that. Greco-Roman yes. culture. Um, I mean, we're talking first century apologists, yeah. Justin Martyr, all uh, that. And a lot of yeah. the first century apologists, yeah. what they did is they, they, engaging with the philosophy of the day, shaped an apologetic appropriate to the reigning philosophy. Mm-hmm. So inevitably, whatever the philosophy was at the time, shaped the apologetic of the people responding to what was going on in the day. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the three stages that I have is, um, I'm going to call the first stage (coughs) rationalism. The reason I've called it rationalism is uh, not because it's like some of the later rationalists, but because it was a dependence upon reason to know things truly. Yes. So if you go back to the Greek mind and you ask them, which is the more important way to know things through the mind, through reason, through analysis, or through uh, empirical data or experience, Mm -hmm. 10 out of 10, the mind. Oh, totally. Yeah. You know, the senses were something that were inferior. The body was something to be despised. It was the cage of the soul. Yeah. Something to be uh, ascended beyond. Mm -hmm. Um, And so classical uh, apologetics corresponds to rationalism. So if you have a a grid in your mind, a spectrum on the far left, you have uh, the reigning philosophy is rationalism and the Christian apologetic response would be what we call classical apologetics. Mm -hmm. And classical apologetics, just to oversimplify it, goes something like this. Here's an example of it. You know, things exist. Mm -hmm. Things have being. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Things cannot spring out of non-being mm-hmm. into being. Mm-hmm. They have some someone who 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 is independent, who has being from himself, mm-hmm. must have put them there. Right. So there's no empirical data. There's no proof from evidence. It's analytical. It's or, analytical. Yeah. So you you know you work on the on, on the premise of one thought leading to the next thought. It's mm-hmm. syllogistic mm-hmm. in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the nature of apologetics as it engaged. Uh, that particular form of philosophy we call classical apologetics. Yeah. Two-tiered in the sense that you start by from an analytical approach, yeah. you know, engaging with the the concept of God and proving it to be true and then moving on to, to And the it's more. often the, you, the starting point is often some fact hmm. that you've established by reason. Right. Not established by empirical data. Well, even the first, co- what you were reason. mentioning, yeah, the first cause thing. Yeah, the first out of, cause out thing. Out of nothing, nothing. So come, it's, it's yeah. very dependent upon reason. So yeah. there's stage one. Yeah. And so the history of apologetics tracks with the history of philosophy. And so Christians have 
um, in the past would have indulged in what we now call classical apologetics, yeah. of which R.C. Sproul yeah. would be part of the school. Drinking Thomas deeply Aquinas. of Thomas Aquinas. Yeah. 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 And, and look, what we want to say about that school is um, here are the good parts. Mm-hmm. Um, God there is an overconfidence. human minds yeah. to grasp his truth. Mm-hmm. And so using the human minds, there should be a correspondence with the truth and our, our ability to understand it. Yeah. And so, yes, we can trust our thinking. Mm-hmm. The, the laws of logic and non-contradiction and all those things, mm-hmm. um, we can trust our thoughts to some extent mm-hmm. to come to good and true conclusions. Yeah. So <clears throat> the negative side would be that uh, the starting point is not God's revelation. Mm-hmm. But it's a confidence in man's ability yes. to reason to the truth. Right. And that totally. would be the downside. Totally. So being reformed, we embrace total depravity. Mm-hmm. We embrace the Bible's teaching on what man authority is not reason but revelation. Mm-hmm. So that's how that's we would we would want to distinguish ourselves. And I would say that um, well, let's move on to stage two. Stage yeah, two yeah. Uh, we're gonna call empiricism. So uh, you have the old way of establishing things to be true by virtue of reason and philosophy and metaphysics. Mm-hmm. That's all the things that were being used to establish the truth. Mm-hmm. And then the new science arrives with Locke and Hume and uh, Berkeley, Berkeley, how do you, mm-hmm. Berkeley? Berkeley, yeah. Berkeley, yeah. Um, and these guys were basically saying, well, um, how do we know anything to be true? Mm-hmm. We have to start with sense data. Mm-hmm. So whether it's Rene Descartes, you know. Yep. Starting with himself as the ultimate starting point. Cogito, some, yeah. Uh, and he's he's almost the hyper rationalist, the end of the rationalist. Strain. Totally, totally. Yeah. And then in response to Descartes, you've got your uh, Locke and Hume, mm-hmm. who are um, basically saying we only know things through experience. Mm-hmm. And so what we have is we move away from reason to science. Mm-hmm. This is the age of science. It's the new science, mm-hmm. and, and this is the time when um, the philosophical foundations that held up a lot of Christianity because people hitched Christianity to the philosophy of the day mm-hmm. began to experience shaking. Mm. So we had responses like deism yeah. to try and prove through, well, science proves that <clears throat> certain laws are functioning in nature, mm-hmm. that God isn't in every tick and every tuck, you rather wound up a clock, sent it out into the universe. Yeah. Yeah. And so deism was sort of a way to try and grapple with the new science as it was arising and yet trying to hold on to some of the yeah. old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so a f- the form of apologetics that arose in response was evidentialism. Yeah. Where, okay, we will allow you the starting assumption that we know things truly through our senses. Mm-hmm. That, that is a superior form of knowledge. Therefore, since those are the cards that I've been dealt, those are the rules that I will allow. Yeah. I will now try and prove using evidence. And we'll take it out of the lab into the, st- into the courtroom. Yeah. And we'll, yeah. But we'll use the same principle. Yeah. Yeah. And often that's given rise to certain forms of argument where maybe you want to appeal to the resurrection. Yes. Maybe you want to appeal to the messianic prophecies mm-hmm. um, and various other good arguments. Yeah. And what's the good in this case? Reality agrees with God. Yeah. And his interpretation of his own reality that he's created. Totally. It's and God's we're seeing creation. that and we're, it's being testified to. Yeah. yeah. And so he made our senses to be able to engage with the environment he placed us in and they are to some extent trustworthy despite Mm -hmm. the philosophical ways in which we can uh, manufacture doubt yeah um and then we you know come come the uh early 1900s with analytical philosophy on the rise with wittgenstein and bertrand russell yeah um and others we have the rise of postmodernism so this is the third stage 
Hmm. So stage one is rationalism, and the apologetic of the church is classical apologetics. Mm-hmm. Stage two is empiricism, and the shape of apologetics that Christians have is evidentialism. Now we come to stage three, the stage that we are still presently in, and that is postmodernism. And postmodernism critiqued modernism and said, look, you guys were too proud. Mm-hmm. You were too certain of your own ability to know anything, whether you're a rationalist, stage one, or whether you're an evidentialist, stage two. All knowledge is subjective. All we can know is, is our own experiences, mm-hmm. ultimately. Mm-hmm. Uh, in one sense, it's hyper-empiricism. It's, it's hyper-skepticism. It's the, the, the logical conclusion of Hume, but we're going to put it in a distinct category um, for its own sake. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so this has given rise to um, another form of apologetics. And I've got a book in front of me. The book is Five Views on Apologetics in the Counterpoint Series by Zondervan. And um, I think a good example of this third stage is what um, is described in this book as the Reformed Epistemological Method. Now, Mm. we need to distinguish this Reformed method from the classical Reformed, Reformation Reformed theology, the the confessional Reformed theology that we represent on this podcast. Mm. Um, This is the neo-reform movement, which would be represented by names like Alvin Plantinga, mm-hmm. Nicholas Falterstorff, mm-hmm. men who are not necessarily confessional, though they would say they have, are very dependent upon Calvin for a lot of his thinking. their thinking. Yeah. Um, and basically what we see in this new view of apologetics is the philosophical methodology of postmodernism. Mm-hmm. So how do you know anything to be true in a postmodern environment? Mm. Well, you have to start somewhere. You have to... So every, okay, yeah. so okay, great. No one can be objective, and we've all got starting assumptions. Mm-hmm. So the postmodernists will say, "Well, look, in any endeavor, I'm going to know that I'm going to be biased in some way, but I have to start somewhere. So right. I have to take a certain set of reliable assumptions that may have been tested, whether it's science or religion, whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. I need to start somewhere to get a conversation going, and then as I progress in the conversation, I can revisit my starting point and adjust it as I go along, and try and edge my way ever closer through a constant self-critical process." To yeah. Yeah, as you mentioned, the hermeneutical spiral. The hermeneutical yeah, spiral yeah. is a good example of an yeah. application of postmodern insights yeah. in the area of hermeneutics. Yeah, totally. So the new epistemological method sounds pretty good. The new mm-hmm. epistemological method comes along and says, well, amen. Mm-hmm. Um, they would even bring in some Christian critique and say, yes, the Bible says we're all sinners. The Bible says that um, we all uh, are biased You know, our knowledge is subjective. We are finite. We don't know things as they actually are in themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, well, why don't we, following postmodern permission, start with some Christian assumptions? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so you put Christian assumptions on a par Mm. with unbelieving assumptions as a sort of, let's try this out and see. And every every person born in a postmodern time... To some extent, I feel, like, well, certainly this has been the case for me. I feel that. I feel what he's saying. I get the whole thing. It resonates deeply with me. Yeah. I get what's wrong with it as well, theologically. But it's just, it's, it's interesting that I fit where I fit. Yeah. You know, I am a person. Of, yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the reason I, 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 I outline the spectrum of views, step one, rationalism, step two, empiricism, in our modern, present day, postmodernism, is to outline the way in which Christians have done apologetics all to show how we've been doing it wrong. Yeah. And every single one of these views is dependent upon man and his ability to reason. Um, 
And it's, it's reason as opposed to revelation as our epistemological starting point. Mm. And so, I mean, I place myself strongly in the presuppositionalist camp. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Presuppositionalism is the consistent apologetic of reform thinking. Mm-hmm. We accept that we are finite creatures who are dependent upon God to know anything about ourselves, the world that we live in, morality, goodness, beauty, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... We rest upon on revelation, not our reason, to mm-hmm. come to conclusions. Mm. And so when it comes to apologetic method, we're not trying to conform or uh, we're not trying to borrow the foundations of the present philosophical paradigm. Mm-hmm. We're always wanting to come back to Scripture to determine the apologetic method. Yeah, and we're seeing that that was done through history at some level. To some extent, yeah. Yeah, yeah. people that buckled their day. Yep. On the principle. And um, the other thing that I always like to, because I know that I, I know a lot of people that, that don't like presuppositionalism, you know, because they see the way that, you know, from a, they care about evangelism, they care about uh, wanting to make it useful, and they see that people can, you know, respond with a sense of, you know, objection to the circularity uh, as they perceive it and, and all of that. And they, they're just trying to bring a, a legitimate, um, uh, sort of balancing of the idea and, and what I often tell them and what I think has helped me is that by saying what you're saying you're not you're not saying uh, we're, we're essentially affirming the confession that's all you're doing right now mm. you're saying that the reason we know what we know is because of revelation that that any to, to, to say that we know to say that there's any higher authority is really to put something above God and we can't do that theologically it's just not a it's not a thing and yet, that's a theological truth. It's not the end of the story. It's not like you're rejecting everything in history by way of, no. of, of rationalism and empiricism. I think we need to recognize that there have been some great yeah. arguments and discussions yeah. in the classical, evidential, and new epistemological approaches. Yeah. But what we are critiquing by establishing presuppositional as the best way to do it is the epistemological basis. Yeah, the, that's the key, the basis. And, and the thing is, uh, you know... You, you, once grounded in the theological truth and the you know um, uh, epistemological basis, you're able then to to make use of other things like empiricism and rationalism in their correct perspective. Yeah. So they affirm what they affirm, yeah. and they so they we, become the can outworking. Can I give you an example? Yeah. So here's a great. I mean, I'm teaching through apologetics, and right. I am availing myself hmm. of all of the hard work done by many of these men from the different schools. Yeah. But, but I'm coming with a very careful clarification yeah, yeah. and a qualification. So, for example, I'm saying, how do we know the Bible is the Word of God? Mm. And so we can look at all, and, and the confession lists all the wonderful things about the Bible. Yeah. You know, the beauty yeah. of its parts, right, the right, beauty right. of Scripture. Yeah. And yeah. It lists all those things, yeah. but it says, yes. but ultimately I accept the Word because the Spirit tells me it's totally. the Word. That's right. And, and what I think is a very important dynamic, because basically we're saying that that's where we rest ultimately. But we're not saying that, we're, mm-hmm. that what we rest in bears no attestation in reality or that we you know the thing is that what is theologically true becomes uh functionally very verifiable and um well empirically is uh, you know but you know what i mean Uh, historically verifiable here's here's a great way to think about it so hyper calvinism in the area of the gift of faith Mm -hmm. is that god gives you faith without engaging your mind excellent yeah emotion right arguments and the ordinary learning process by yep. which you come to agree with facts. Yeah. 
So we, we are wanting to say that with a robust, filled out, double agency, concurrent view mm. of polygenics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> yeah, reflecting on our last discussion. Uh, yeah, free Sojourners Pod Week, baby. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're saying that there is, you know, the supernatural process of being convinced and converted happens naturally. Yeah. Through the natural ways in which we learn things ordinarily. That's right. The ordinary yeah. means of grace. Right. Exactly. And how we gain knowledge. But you can't base your assurance on the the no. fact that you've learned or whatever, uh, because that would be to place that above yeah. what God has said, essentially. And yeah, it's just theologically not a possibility. And epistemo- epistemologically, not a safe ground at all. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So big point. Yeah, so there's there's a little review for you, just to realize that... Uh, in, in many ways, that was the history of philosophy right history there. of philosophy tracking with the history of Christianity. Yeah, of the, history, the history of, of apologetics, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Fascinating. It's like a great pamphlet or something, yeah. you know, like a little and booklet. I think all of that to highlight the importance of presuppositionalism as the biblical way. Yeah. So, I mean, I would, I would contrast presuppositionalism as the biblical starting point and the better way to do it yeah. than all these other ways that have been done. Right, yeah, and then even within that, and I suppose this this is a good um, follow-up, but you get a whole range of, you know, thought within presuppositionalism. I mean, you get the hardcore sort of end, and you get the 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 prep stuff. You got mild forms like frame, like frame and shape. I was thinking, but. But um, yeah, I mean, you just uh, you, you know, again, there's there's room to play and explore there. So, but just you know, in terms of the principle itself, I think what you're saying now mm. is great, and um, and you can leave that that more nuanced conversation for later. But you know, I mean, I don't think it's it's even. I mean, you can't really argue any any other way there. I, I think probably the only thing that I would want to highlight, and you have already anyway, but but in ju- just I know a lot of presuppositionalists. Especially, it's almost like the cage stage. Calvinism for presuppositionalism is to reject everything from rationalism and empiricism. Mm. And of course, I mean, anyone down the track in presuppositionalism yeah. would not do that. Fanshill did not do that. Uh, you know, it's just not how it rolls out. Yeah, so, we've got to recognize some of the good without agreeing with the foundational basis. That's right. Yeah, you want to. It's just about putting things in their perspective. Yeah. You know, so that you can use them properly. Agreed. Yeah, maybe maybe a little bit like you know, money. Money is good. But if money's your God, you know, it's a bad thing. It's, it's this, you know, it's all about knowing where the sun is so that things can travel on their correct orbit. And in this case, we're saying uh, you've got this presuppositional approach, which which must, which is the, uh, you know, had presuppositionalism been applied in rationalism, it would have been fine. The thing I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to, on the basis of a deliberately biblical foundation. Yeah. And, and look at history and not make the same mistake, essentially, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, so and that's wise. That's good. Mm. Yet not be arrogant that we're better, you know, yeah. be, not be chronological snubs at the same time. All truth is God's truth. Yeah, amen. Good. Yeah. All right. So what's that book's name again? Just one more time. Uh, five Views on Apologetics. Sounds um, like a good starting point. So, I mean, uh, it says the classical method, uh, representative William Lane Craig, the evidential merit method, Gary R. Habermas, the cumulative case method, Feinberg, oh. the presuppositional method, Frame, the reformed epistemological method, Kelly James Clark. They each write a chapter and then each reviews every other chapter. Gary Habermas. So he's the... Uh, <laughs> The minimal. Well, let's allow the, li- the liberals to yeah. determine how much of the Gospels we're allowed to use. <laughs> and let's and take that. Using and the then. minimalist approach, 
yeah, get the liberals. The minimal to facts that view. The resurrection is the most probable case. Oh boy, that yeah. Jesus probably. Now you see, that's a great example in some sense, isn't it? Because you know, you want to go, oh boy, from an epistemological, you know, uh, perspective. You're like, dude, are you crazy? What are yeah. you doing? You know, giving the ground away. But having established your epistemological deal, yeah. you go to have mass and you go, wow, what a nice little cherry. Yeah. You know, exactly. and let me and use that as a the reasonableness yeah. of faith. Totally. Without, without saying that I'm depending upon this very weak case. Yes. As, as the sole thing. And um, I mentioned to you earlier, but I think, I think I have must've said this um, on, on one Friday, but I, uh, leaving aside the cumulative case um, method as, as a thing. One thing I remember hearing from, uh, uh, Douglas Grutes, Grutes, um, <laughs> Douglas Grutes. Uh, his name is actually Douglas Grutes in America, but we say Grutes, which means big house, which <laughs> is what it actually means, and we know because yeah. we're freaking South African baby, so whatever. Um, but what he said is, listen. You know, uh, offensive, defensive. And and I, I love that because I think that's exactly what we're essentially doing. We're saying, listen, nothing's going to penetrate our defense on this. Yeah. Our epistemological base is set. It's secure. Nothing's going to take it. But insofar as you want to play that liberal game, well, even on that basis, yeah. consider what even we have to Even on say. that basis, yeah. we can yeah. show you that you've landed on the wrong side yeah. of the evidence. Offense. Totally. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is helpful. And um, and so anyways, all some extra feathers in your cap this Philosophical Friday. Uh, and we're getting ready for the big one, Nick, which is 1689 Didn't Saturday. we do that with free will? We did a 1689. That was Theology yeah, Thursday. Everything. Really. That was Theology Thursday that okay. I didn't introduce. Okay. All right. So whatever. Good night.